listening to Making a Difference About Domestic Violence and Abuse with host Shereen Rice on the CWR Talk Network. Good evening. This is Shereen Rice with Making a Difference About Domestic Violence. My goal for this show is to educate and help in the healing journey for those that are suffering from domestic abuse. I am pre-recording tonight, so you cannot call in. If you're listening tonight and would like to get in touch with me, email me at ShereenCWR at gmail.com. Let me spell that out for you. S-H-A-R-E-E-N-E-C-W-R at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. I want to do a shout out tonight to Trevor at ARA Studios. He's allowing me to use the studio again this week. I love it. And it's uh, very high tech, so I'm pretty excited. Anyway, I would like to remind everyone that our show is every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Pacific, 7 Mountain, 8 p.m. Central. And I do need to apologize for a couple weeks ago when I didn't have my show and it was... uh, I didn't tell anyone that I wasn't going to have it. I had a PTSD moment, and uh, I needed a few minutes to myself, or a few days, actually. So uh, that is why that happened. It shouldn't be happening ever or very often, but it does happen from time to time. So please forgive me, and we will move forward. (laughs) Okay, my show can also be heard on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Google Play if you subscribe to those services. If you want direct links to those services, you may go to the CWR homepage on the website cwrtalknetwork.com and click on the logo for that service. If at any time you experience a trigger by this topic, please call the national hotline, and that is 1-800-799-SAFE or 1-800-799-723. We're going, uh, I, I do want to say that our my topic tonight may be triggering. Okay. So be really careful. Keep that number on hand. Uh, it is a very difficult topic to discuss. Okay. Um, I'm going to go to a public service announcement at this time. Hold tight. Wrong button. (laughs) Yeah. I hit the wrong button. This message is for all of you sitting in the passenger seat, and apologies if it gets a little uncomfortable, but how does it feel to be at the mercy of someone who thinks a random text is more important than your life? Someone who takes their eyes off the road while speeding along in a three-ton hunk of steel. Freaky, right? Well, why not just ask them to stop? Or better yet, volunteer to text for them. It might be a little awkward, but believe me, you'll live. Learn more at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Welcome back to Making a Difference About Domestic Violence and Abuse with your host, Shereen Rice, on the CWR Talk Network. Welcome back. This is Shereen. Okay, so the first thing on my list, I'm doing a lot of apologizing tonight. The first thing on my list, I want to apologize for last week. As I indicated before the show, the company that we uh, do our radio show through stated that they were having technical difficulties and that losing connection might be an option. And I, I'm glad I said that because we did. After about 17 minutes into the show with Dan Adams, the therapist, um, we lost connection. 
And so I have uh, him actually scheduled for to pre-record for next week. And so he will finish up what he was talking about. He was doing an absolutely fine job. He does believe in a lot of like energy healing as well as therapy. He's a male therapist that works uh, with domestic violence victims. And that's not very common uh, to find. So I was pretty interested when I found him. It was pretty nice. He actually walked into where I work and uh, was talking about it. I said, what? Actually, no, my friend said, what? You need to talk to Shireen. Anyway, so got him hooked up and he will be on next week. Okay, and that will be a pre-record, so you won't be able to call in on that one either. So our topic today is on grooming. You know, this is kind of a weird topic. People really don't understand what this is all about and how it happens. Uh, grooming is when someone preps you for other motives. You end up doing things that are outside your character. You don't even know how you got there to do them. Uh, the abuser is very, very, very skilled at this. Uh, they know what to do. They know what to say. They know how to do it. Uh, they know however you respond, what their next response will be to get you to do what they need you to do. And uh, they have a toolkit of uh, grooming techniques. So you don't, and you don't know what's happening. You're the unsuspecting victim of of their grooming. Every woman um, this has happened to say the same thing. I don't know why I did that. I don't know how he got me to do those things. And I mean, everyone that has, that has ever happened to, that's absolutely what they have said. Um, I bring this up because uh, it's happened to a lot of people that I know. And I just got through dating a guy that this, he started to do this. And I, I'm like, do you know who you're talking to? <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I watched him and it was unbelievable uh, what I was seeing because of how clever they are at doing this. Um, I saw what was going on after it started uh, because you don't see it right away. They're very charismatic, very kind, very sweet, bring you things, you know, all lovey-dovey. Kind of over the top, I would think sometimes, but not always. Um, so I want to get better at this. So I'm sharing this and my experience and the experiences of others and, uh, several articles that I have read, uh, to you tonight. Okay. Um, I would like to hear about your experiences because I think uh, most, if not all DVs, um, experience this and, uh, it's pretty, pretty interesting. Um, it seriously is, uh, anyway, so I will share some sites. The first one I'm going to share is uh, one of my favorites. It's called Psychology Today. And they talk about uh, the violent and controlling relationships may begin with overwhelming attention, sweet words, gifts, and make future victims close to their eyes and to the red flags. Close their eyes to the red flags. Is that so true? So what happens is they become very romantic, and we all women love romance, right? or most of us anyway, and then we close our eyes to the red flags. And people always say, oh, did you see the red flags? Seriously, people, I know these red flags inside out and backwards and on this last relationship. I am not kidding you. It took several weeks before I started seeing the the red flags. And then, yeah, I was out of there. Okay, they come on very strong. Remember I said that? The, it's a, it's the, in, the romance is very intense. Um, 
and it's necessary for them to do that for the grooming to take place. It's a predatory tactic. Uh, they build deep emotional connection. Um, abusers know exactly what they're doing. What did I say? They're extremely skilled. So I'm going to tell you this one story, and then we'll talk a little bit about it. Sarah was just 22 when she met 30-year-old Sam. Within two weeks, he had moved into her apartment, but his name on her put his name on her bank account and claimed her every second when she was not at work. Sam asked about her most intimate experiences, secrets, and dreams, and accompanied Sarah where whenever she went out. Now, I will say they won't always move in with you. They won't always put their name on your account. They won't always ask for all of your experiences and secrets and dreams. This uh, is probably not uncommon. What does happen is explained here, but it's not always necessary. At first, Sarah was elated. No man had ever loved her this intently. He put away their phones when they were together so they could concentrate on each other. He pushed her to skip events at work and with friends, saying their relationship was the priority. He made exciting alternative plans for the holidays, so she missed family gatherings. What is he doing right there? He's isolating. Okay. Sam asked Sarah for access to her social media accounts as a sign of trust. When Sarah objected, Sam accused her of lacking commitment and became sullen. Okay, that's a technique. Um, making accusations and uh, the um, attitude of sullen, um, very, very good tactic on his part. He classified all her attempts at privacy or independence as signs that she did not love him. Again, a tactic. You don't love me enough. You don't care about me enough. Just to put you on the defensive. Oh, yes, I do. Okay, Sarah gave in. It was easier than fighting, and she desperately wanted to preserve the purity of their love. Sam had groomed Sarah into isolation, and isolation made her vulnerable to further coercive control. So now he controlled her social media. He controlled her life. He controlled her phone. He controlled her bank account. He controlled probably everything that she did at work. And one thing um, that you should be aware of is 60% of all domestic violence victims lose their jobs um, because of a perpetrator. Okay, so the next step is intimidation. So romantic gestures can abruptly turn into intimidation. Abusers typically blame their partners for growing tensions. Victims will work hard to appease the abuser, trying to keep themselves safe, and get back to the early glow. Okay, so another story. After a romantic dinner one evening, Steve began kissing and taking off the clothes of his boyfriend, Derek. Okay, so this is to um, LGBTQ. LGBTQ. Um, Derek kissed him back, but said he did not want to have sex. Steve grabbed him hard by both hands and stared into his face threateningly, for the first time, Derek felt afraid of Steve, who is bigger and stronger than he was. At that moment, Derek understood that saying no to sex was not really an option. Okay, so for women, uh, we are typically not as strong as men. And typically when this this might happen, this did not happen to me, um, but this is a, an option as well. This is using the power and control that they all know. And they all cherish and they all work towards getting what they want. So part of the grooming process. 
Okay, to keep the peace, Derek never again directly refused to do what Steve asked of him sexually. Derek felt intimidated throughout the remainder of their relationship, but tried to avoid thinking about it. So, again, this is what happens. is Sometimes um, we're intimidated. Females as well as well are intimidated to do whatever it is they want us to do. From initially making their partners feel loved unconditionally like they can do no wrong, abusers then make their partners work hard to please them, blaming and acting hostile when they do not get their way. Hostile or very um, charismatic, I would say. They use hostility. They use demeaning comments. They use threats, a lot of threats. And they use charismaticism. Uh, to get uh, to get you groomed. Okay, so the grooming community is the next section. Abusers often groom friends, family, others, and overlook signs of abuse and cut ties with the victim. They strategically act charming and helpful so people cannot control. Imagine the cruel acts occurring behind closed doors. Now, when I um, indicated, I found that this guy that I was dating, he could turn off and on his... his um, his feelings at like a, like a light switch. And I was in shock and I found out that he also had a harem, which is not uncommon for abusers. They also, they have a harem typically. They like more than one. And, um, it's just, uh, I found that out. Um, not, I didn't have to follow him or anything. I caught him. I, I made a comment and he was silent and I said, Oh, so that means you do (laughs) anyway. So, uh, you can catch them sometimes that way. Um, so it's not just cruel acts. They can use charming as part of their grooming process as well. Okay, here's another story. Iris described how Dave would mow their neighbor's lawns, play the organ at church, and coach children's sports teams. No one believed Iris when she first tried to describe how he treated her and the children when they were home alone. Uh, a friend of mine once told me that her husband is very active in church. He had this really, um, not he wasn't the preacher, but he had a high position, something else, a deacon or something. And all the women loved him. So he flirts with all the women, makes them feel like they're number one in his life. What did I say? Harem, didn't I? That doesn't mean they're sleeping with him. It means that they have these women that follow him or flow after him. Okay, so she... Uh, she went to the preacher one day and said, this is what I'm dealing with. And he did not believe her. She doesn't say anything to any of the other women because they would absolutely not believe her. But he said to her, this is your cross that you have to bear. Again, this would be religious abuse, wouldn't it? So uh, one time, so she taped him. <laughs> one time she called me when she knew he was going to come in and start yelling at her. And boy, uh, she just put her phone on the table and I just started listening I was in shock not that I I don't even know this guy very well I didn't know him. I just met him a couple times but the thing is is he had the ability to demean his wife in that manner that's not a relationship people when we're looking for a loving relationship we need to look at people who are not demeaning not threatening not cruel that don't turn their feelings off and on in a heartbeat sometimes abusers groom the community by running their uh, partners rep- ruining their partner's reputation. Now, this is very, very important to them. It's called 
shaming. It's also called, um, oh, man, oh, uh, smear campaigns. Smear campaigns are imperative for groomers and abusers. And the reason why is because they have to make themselves look good. What I didn't realize on, on my last um, marriage was my uh, gro- my uh, groomer, <laughs> my husband was grooming those around me uh, by a smear campaign, making them believe something that was other than real. So that when um, when if I said anything about what transpired, uh, they would not they would absolutely not believe me. And this started probably, I'm going to say, almost immediately after we were married. And so they are quick to groom those around you. They really love parents. And that one friend that I told you about that had a husband that was really good um, at grooming his entire congregation, he also groomed her parents into making them believe that he was just the most wonderful man in the whole wide world. And how could she ever consider leaving him? I've also heard of parents and siblings that have uh, cut off um their relationship with an abuser because uh, with a victim because they believe the abuser was the one that was being abused. One thing I try to explain to people is abusers are the first one to pretend that they're being abused because they know that they're abusing and they know how to do it because they've already groomed everybody around the victim. Uh, the victim hopefully remains in communication. I was lucky enough that my mom never would have believed anything my ex-husband said to her anyway, period. Uh, because she knows me, right? And um, though he tried to groom my kids, that didn't work either. So uh, grooming doesn't mean that they're being nice to them. They could be mean to them. They could be threatening to them. They, could, You know, all sorts of things, just like us. But Typically, they use care, care medicism, I think, and they're extremely charismatic, not only to us, but to them. And just like we think, oh, my gosh, that's my prince, my prince on a um, white horse, and he's going to love me forever. Okay, so here's another story. Mike called Lisa's friends and asked them to let him know if she uh, did anything peculiar, subtly indicating that he was worried that she was becoming unhinged. She noticed certain friends looking at her strangely, but did not know why. And the unexplained change in her friend's behavior estranged her from them. And that's very normal. Mine would say, oh, she's a crazy witch. We'll just use the W word. And, um, and so they all believe that. And started thinking, oh, my gosh, she's crazy. Um, Yeah, I didn't do things the way he did, but let me put it this way. I thought he was so off the wall. Anyway, so here's another story. Jacob told members of their uh, tight-knit religious community how Hannah was behaving immodestly and neglecting their children. Now, who are they going to believe? Truly, who are they going to believe? Unless you know the person, the the female very well, you're not – might believe him, right? Uh, when she tried to leave him, her community shunned her and fought on her behalf uh, and fought on behalf of her husband's bid for child custody because he had already groomed the community. This is what's happening. Whether it was or not, most likely it wasn't. He groomed the community to have his side when things were going bad. 
Awareness of the grooming process helps us to understand the plight of someone in a relationship with an abuser. Grooming helps explain why people may stay with abusers, submit to their demands, and push away others who try to help. Cassandra uh, Weiner, a coercive control researcher, entreats readers to understand how this grooming process can break down survivors. She explains that survivors of domestic violence and coercive control are vulnerable, but not because they are weak, character deficient, or mentally unwell. They are vulnerable because they have been groomed. And this is one thing that people need to understand. These women are not weak. They are not uh, mentally unstable. They are groomed. And, oh, I wish I knew the name of it. Uh, Jan Broberg uh, had a movie, has a movie on Netflix. And uh, it shows exactly how uh, this guy that groomed her also groomed her parents, also groomed um, her siblings. And um, the whole, everybody around her was groomed. And so that's what um, was the difficult thing. And this is her personal uh, movie about her story. So it's actually something that you really should look into. I wish I could tell you the name of it. I really cannot. Um, Oh, it's Abducted in Plain Sight. Yeah, Abducted in Plain Sight is the name of that movie. So check it out. It's on Netflix, and it will talk a lot about grooming. Now, if anything at any time seems not not truthful or real i tell you the whole thing is truthful and the whole thing is real that's exactly what they do and that's exactly how they do it now let me share some signs of grooming uh number one being very secretive about how they're spending their time including when online so um that's for uh these are abusers number two having an older boyfriend or girlfriend having money or new things like clothes and mobile phones that they can't or won't explain. Spending more or less time online or their devices. And this is typically for children that are being groomed or sometimes hiding a lot of things. Being upset, withdrawn, or distressed. Um, Sexualized behavior, language, or understanding of sex that's not appropriate for that age. Spending more time away from home, going missing for periods of time, and so forth, and um, and and that's grooming for children. Now, effects of grooming: anxiety and depression, PTSD, uh, eating disorder, difficulty coping with stress, self-harm, suicidal thoughts, sexually transmitted infections, pregnancy, feelings of shame and guilt, drugs and alcohol problems, relationship problems with family, friends, and partners. And everybody is at risk for this. Um, It's very hard to uh, talk to parents sometimes, but it is imperative if they're a child that they talk to parents. (sighs) Okay, another area I wanted to talk about. It's... um, Seven. There's seven. Seven things to know about abuse tactics. What is what is sexual grooming? And this one is by Allure. 
com. So number one, anyone can be a victim. Like I said, anyone can be a victim. No one is immune to grooming, though some are more susceptible than others, including minors, because of their naivete. Uh, if you're gullible, insecure, uh, religion and culture, it can happen a lot in religion and culture. It often starts with friendship. <clears throat> Groomers don't just jump in, and that's why I tell everyone, no one just hits you. They groom you first. They get into your world. They psychologically abuse you before that will ever happen. Groomers uh, don't just jump into abuse, which is often sexual. They begin with building a friendship. It'll be in a way they get to know you, the victim, well enough where they find out what they like. And this is by Don Michael, Ph.D., a sexuality counselor. And let's say somebody is on Snapchat or Instagram, the offender can pick up some of the things that the victim is posting. That's why, especially for young teens or even young adults, they have to be aware of the information they're putting out there because someone can get this information and use it to befriend them. And that's kind of how it starts, actually. So Michael notes that the groomers will look for various ways to get to the victim's favor, which could be bringing up interests they express on their social media channels, name dropping mutual or supposedly mutual acquaintances or emphasizing their own influence or power. Now, the guy that was grooming me, um, I am very, very skeptical. So I went to several of his friends who are also friends of mine. And I said, what are the pros and cons? And uh, they shared with me, but the cons didn't seem uh, that outlandish. And the pros were very, very, very positive. So I um, started to go out with him or just actually not even go out, just affiliate with him a little bit more and a little bit more all the time. Okay. Um, initial friendliness typically encourages the victims to let down their guard and think that the perpetrator as a mentor, benefactor, romantic interest or friend. And then once the victim's guard is down, the perpetrator will do them a favor. They'll do something for the victim so that the person feels indebted to them to a certain extent. Okay, I like that because that is that's very true. Um, Marlo Garrison says those favors are often small and unassuming to start. It can be as simple as keeping a promise. He says, like I heard you like beach glass. I have three pieces I can give you. I'll I'll leave them on the porch tomorrow, and you can get them after I go to work. Offenders also, um, Marlo Garrison notes, insert themselves into the daily life of the victim, for example, by attending events that the victim's own family or friends aren't able to attend because of the uh, other commitments. So perpetrators use favors and promises to build trust. So that's number three. Uh, okay, so number one, again, it was anyone can be a victim. Number two, it often starts with friendship. Number three, perpetrators use favors and promises to build trust. Number four, secrecy is common characteristic of grooming. Uh, let's just do this. That's okay. Don't worry about it. 
and so forth. Typically, groomers try to keep relationships with victims extremely private from the very beginning. Secrecy is developed early on for non-sexual aspects of the relationship, he says. It, in his beach glass example, for instance, he says that groomers might say, let's not tell anyone where you got the beach glass because I only have but so much. If others find out about it, there won't be any left for your growing collection. They have excuses for everything, don't they? And they want to keep everything private. So, and flattery, they continue the flattery. And they continue the charismaticism. Okay. So number five, grooming can be difficult to distinguish from romance. Okay, ding, ding, ding. This is a very loud bell that I should be ringing right here. Grooming can be difficult to distinguish from romance. Okay, and that is where I had the problem. Okay, so we're going to read this in depth. The slow process of building trust and establishing secrecy as normal can make it hard for both victims and victims' acquaintances to recognize grooming for what it is. If you feel you may be that victim or that someone you know is one thing to look out for is insistence to meet on the part of the groomer. Marlowe says groomers are spending a lot of time and money on building that relationship and they can see their progress through meetings. Groomers desire to see of, see their victims exceed an excitement that might be expected of someone in a new romantic relationship and crosses over into guilting and threats. Now mine was uh, probably definitely not threats, but definitely guilty. But um, uh, that's one thing he would do is say like, "Oh, you got a promotion! Yay! You know that's so exciting! I'm so proud of you! That's wonderful!" And um, my daily life became exciting stuff for him, and he did want to see me more frequently, more frequently. I remember he called me one day and I said, Hey, I'm in the town that you're in. I was getting gas. I was headed to somewhere else. He goes, prove it. Come over to my house. Prove it that you're in town. Well, number one, when I said it, wasn't that good enough? Anyway, I never made it to the meeting that I wanted to attend because he wanted to spend time at his house and to continue to groom me. And even if they're unsure about a groomer's intentions, a victim will often have this instinctual feeling that someone's, something's not right, uh, which I did. But Michael says, with romance, you're not going to have a feeling that you've been taken advantage of or you're doing something to pay back someone. Romance is mutual feeling. And in a grooming circumstance, it's not really a mutual feeling. Marlo Garrison says to look out for certain signs if you're concerned someone you know might be a victim, including alcohol or drug use, nightmares, changes in diet or exercise patterns, insomnia, disordered eating, anxiety, and withdrawn nature. Bewildering. And I I have to say what happened to me, the changes in me were definitely depression, despair, anxiety. Um, I still to this day don't sleep very well. Um, suicidal ideation um, yeah, it was all sorts of things so it can happen to absolutely anyone and I thought I was prepared enough to not to be able to see anything okay victims can get out 
Well, and for me, it was just, I just walked out and I just said, uh, I won't be seeing you again. Um, if you do find yourself in an abusive, uh, controlling relationship. Okay. I'm going to tell you right now, the reason why I was so depressed and despair is because I thought this happened to me again. How did this happen to me again? And so it was, uh, actually I was more disappointed in myself. Um, and I felt guilty for, for even being there, uh, for allowing it to go as far as it did and, um, and not seeing the signs. And so we need to be very on top of that. If you do find yourself in an abusive controlling relationship at the hands of a groomer, you can get out. It starts, Michael says, with recognizing that something isn't right. Now, remember what I told you about the book, The Gift of Fear? Okay, you have that gut feeling that says that something isn't right. It isn't right. And get out. It's it's imperative that you listen to your body, you listen to your spirit, you listen to what it, your body's your body and your spirit is telling you. Okay, um, when you have that feeling of find a third party to talk to, ideally a professional who doesn't know you or the perpetrator, you don't want anything to get back to the groomer. If you can take advantage of any, and I'm going to tell you right now, if you're talking to a professional, it is illegal for them to say anything to anybody. So nothing will get back to a groomer if you're talking to a professional. But I do have a set of people that I talk to and I bounce things off of. Uh, they're therapists, they're um, life coaches, and so forth. Okay, services like these confidentially connect you with the professional who can help you determine your next steps. Okay, number seven is family members and friends can help, but it's important for them to tread carefully. Hotlines and resource centers aren't reserved only for victims. If you think a loved one may be a victim of grooming or abuse, even if he or she says otherwise, it's a great idea to seek guidance of a professional as well. Okay, so that's the seven things to know about abuse tactics. Now, the last area that I wanted to talk about. um, Oh, maybe I talked about it all. Nope, I went over all of them. Nope, I didn't. Okay, now one thing I like is domesticshelters.org. They have a ton of good stuff on here. So... Again, they indicate that um, abusers often come on strong. What did I tell you about that? They come on really strong. They use intimidation. They use charismaticism. They use threats. They use uh, roses. Okay. They use everything that any um, romance person would use, but they will go further and typically use uh, intimidation. Uh, They may use. Uh, derogatory comments, they may have a harem, Uh, they, just those additional things. They groom the community and they groom your friends and they groom your family. So you need to be aware of that. Learn about coercive control. Complete an inventory of the abusive partner's control. Avoid isolation by staying connected to friends and family and relatives as much as possible. Okay, speak with domestic violence advocates at any stage in the relationship. And I want to 
I want everyone to stay safe. Please take this into consideration because I think grooming is an imperative part. What upset me the most was that I didn't recognize it and I got involved in it again. And I couldn't believe that I did that. Uh, Unbelievable. So don't forget next week, we're going to be finishing up uh, Dan Adams um, discussion. And I want to say good night and stay safe.